Well, we've at least got something to celebrate on this week's edition of Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks because somehow we're turning 50. This is our 50th episode and we are both shocked uh, that we've gotten this far and immensely appreciative of all of you for all the support along the way. Celebrate, we've got one of our favorite people uh, who will be joining us this week, Charlie O'Connor Clark, campl.ca, to discuss the league's opening weekend and look ahead to what we can expect from this season for the Canadian Premier League. And yes, because we're contractually obligated, we'll talk some Toronto FC as well. <laughs> but boys, I mean, it's a it's a dreary afternoon, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure if it is where you are. Mike's at a very sunny BMO field, so it's it's always happy where Mike is. But um, yeah, how are you guys doing? Oh, the, it's it's raining down in downtown Toronto, Mitch. Or should I say midtown Toronto? It is yeah. it is very much raining here. So perfect weather for England to pull the upset. It's coming home. <laughs> is that happening, gentlemen, or what? But yeah, as, as Mitch said, uh, I got a rhetorical question, by the way. But <laughs> as Mitch said, episode 50, holy cow. Yeah. Episode 50. Are we doing this right? Are we doing a, a decent job at this or what? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, what, what do we have planned for 52 guys? That's only two away. And that's, that's a, that's a full year. I think we need to, we need to do something up, something special. Hopefully we can celebrate a TFC win, but I am not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any ideas, guys, any way to celebrate, just leave them in the chat and, and we'll, we'll take a look. Yeah. Good. Idea. Open to anything. Yeah. There's a good uh... yeah, have a chat. Let me open that. Yeah. <laughs> Cool stuff. Good, uh, we'll have some kind of like match game or whatever. That'll be today's uh, <laughs> Tim and Sid. That'll be our yep. uh, our question of the day is what, what should we do for our 52nd episode? But I think, boys, we got so many questions to ask about Toronto FC, especially after this past week. Let's start with that a little bit before Charlie gets here and we can we can talk about some more fun stuff. He's but... here, so so whenever you want to bring him on, just just give me a signal, okay. Fair enough. He, he can okay. wait. He can uh, enjoy, you know, some Jack Grealish highlights and and wait for a little. <laughs> <laughs> we get into at least a little bit of Toronto FC. Um, look, I mean, the, the Nashville game again. It was the same game we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. I think where Toronto FC played pretty well, especially when they had Alejandro Pozuelo on the field. They looked, they looked solid, but obviously don't pick up the result, and and we're starting to, and obviously we're far past the point right now where. That those games need to turn into results, and then they go to Cincinnati, and that's their worst game of the season. It was it was terrible. They looked awful throughout. There was no ideas. I mean, yeah, it, it just wasn't great at all. How do you reflect on that week? Because I, it's really hard to find positives right now when it comes to Toronto FC. Jeff, you go first because I know I know you got a lot to say here. Come on. Honestly, it's it's nothing that I haven't said before. You know, I'll, I'll stress. That, you know, it's so, I mean, have you guys been reading what's on the MLS mothership and, and, and the hot takes that are coming out? Uh, losing to Cincy is no good, guys. I mean, there's no, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Uh, you know, Cincy looking like Barcelona out there. It sucks. Uh, yeah, they didn't just I, lose. They got outplayed. They got they, obliterated. They got obliterated. Uh, um, whew. I mean, what what are you going to do, right? Like, there's a part of me that still wants to protest, you know, and trot out all the excuses, like the injury bug and playing out of Orlando, yada, yada, yada. And I do think these are valid. Um, you know, Mike Leach said something on the show last week. He said, when they came out at the front, at the top of the season, and said, we're not going to, turn, we're not going to use these as excuses. Well, they kind of have to live by it. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. And uh, they're not doing that. I mean, that that Buffery, uh, Buffery article that dropped this morning, where he had a sit down with uh, with Chris Armas, um, and opened with you know no, there's no excuses, and then proceeded to list them all <laughs> in bullet points. Uh, you know, we're serving. It's it. What what else is there to say? It's like a, it's a feedback loop now. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, yeah. I'm with you there, Jeff. Like, I'm actually the one who asked Michael Bradley that question at the beginning of the season. Um, I was asking Michael Bradley just essentially how it feels to get like a real preseason kind of thing under his belt. And he actually cut me off before I could finish my question. He's just like, no, I don't want to hear any of that. I don't want to hear any excuses. We're done talking about excuses. And as Jeff's kind of pointing out, like the last, I don't know, two months, every answer, not every answer, but like, 
they're they're quick to mention those excuses now because mm-hmm. you know that's kind of a a way to well, ease I mean, now, the pain, right well now we're getting excuses that are from space like whenever whenever we foment an attack they foul us and that's how you beat tfc i mean <laughs> You know, hey, that's so, what TFC have to do to stop transition moments, man. All they got to do is just foul the other team, and you'll be good. Uh, that's the is, secret recipe. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it's terrible. And again, you know, being this critical, it doesn't fill me with joy. It really doesn't. I do not mm-hmm. like holding holding the club that I love's feet to the fire this profusely. But I mean, you know, it's just, it, it really is the perfect storm. Like we get no information from these guys. And when they do, they hold press conferences like the last one we had to suffer through, you know? And then when they're interviewed, it, it, it's it's like, it's a contradiction. Like that, 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 if that was an argumentative essay, it would get an F, right? Like, here's my thesis, no more excuses. Here's my, here's my essay body, all the excuses, right? Like, Back in school, let's go. You know, but you, but you just can't do that, right? And so, you so know, let, let's every- move this conversation along. Let's let's talk. Mm. Sorry to cut you off, but let's talk. No the, like what, what everybody what everybody wants to know. Let's talk Chris Armis, sure. and is he on the hot seat? And number two, do you guys think he's had a fair run? And is it fair to judge him based off this start to the season? I'll start. Let's start with you, Mitch. What do you think? I think yes to both. I think he's. I think he wow. definitely should be on the hot seat, and I think at this point he's had a, a fair enough run to to see what he can do with this side. What concerns me though is almost not just Chris Armis; it's the fact that like this collection of talent should be beating both of these teams, regardless of who's coaching. Like I don't like I don't think Chris Armis has shown that he's a good coach by any means, but I don't think he's a bad enough coach that he should be able to take this team and you know turn it into something where they're literally last place in MLS. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the, that could be the case with them. Jeff, you have a point on this right away. So do you subscribe to the latest tinfoil theory that's going around the WTR boards? There's two of them. Mm-hmm. The first one is that the team is now not playing, is playing to lose, like to basically get Armas out the door, mm-hmm. which I think is so binary and insane. I mean, these guys are professionals and they have egos. They don't, you know, I, I don't think they're gonna. They're not the the black socks, you know. Like no, no, not, no. Right? Let's, let's, yeah, then, no. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one, which I think is absolutely hilarious, is that Soteldo went, you know, is playing, pretended to be injured just so that I, I don't even understand what the hell it is, but it's basically saying that he can't. Uh, you know, it, it, it's ignoring the fact that if you get a call up to your international squad during a FIFA window, there's pretty much nothing your club can do to mm. stop you. And I'm pretty sure that when he was negotiating his deal with TFC, his appearances for the Venezuela national team without any blockage from the club were part of the negotiations, if not outright stated in his contract. So, you know, this is yet another example of just how bad the wheels are spinning in TFC land. Um, Sorry, what, what did yeah. you mean by that? Um, I kind of lost me there. But the uh, people document. on the people on WTR boards, and I, you know, I it's so it's so crazy that I that I almost can't I can't make the logic move. But they were saying something about the fact that Soteldo, um, you know, isn't it weird that he uh, he couldn't play for TFC uh, for that Cincy game, but he was just fine to play twenty minutes for the Venezuela national team in Copa America, and then well, something along not, the line. That's not how it works. Like exactly. if you get. If you get yeah. a call up to the international team and your team is playing, you're gone. Like, it takes time a to travel to that team and you know get into training camp at the team. You should be with that team no matter what. Obviously, Soteldo was getting healthy with Toronto FC, and the second he was healthy enough to play, his duty is not to represent Toronto FC. His international it's his international duty to represent Venezuela. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he wasn't healthy enough to or he was healthy enough and not playing for Toronto FC because those games overlap anyways. The second he's healthy, he's playing for Venezuela and that's what happened. Exactly. So, and at the end of the day, a club can't block. It's a, it's a FIFA approved international. Exactly. Like, you know, they, it's just, it just doesn't happen. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of tinfoil hat nonsense going around in, in TFC live land. And, and to be completely honest, I see why, you know, we're getting, we're getting sweet FA here. So circling back, Jeff, do you think it's fair to judge Chris Armis? Does he? Ha- is it? How do I say this? Has he gotten no, a fair shake? Question. Has he? Yeah, has he gotten a fair shake through the first ten MLS games so far this season? No, I don't think so. 
But I also agree with Mitch. Well, I agree because of all the things, all the intangibles, right? No BMO, no fans behind him, no fortress at the lake shore. How important that is and whether it's trumped by he's made zero tactical adjustments with the players he has in the situation that he's in is is an argument that I think Mitch wins. Um, He's had more than enough time to have incremental improvements regardless of all the of all the things that are stacked against me we see none of that um to say nothing of the fact that in press conferences now he's referring to himself in the third person and looks to be (laughs) completely unhinged uh so you know i think i think mitch is right in that regard is it fair absolutely not am i going to jump on the bandwagon of people cherry picking comments from my rate new york red bulls fans that already wanted to boil chris armis in acid to support the narrative that he stinks at tfc absolutely not i think that there's that there's a great like in all things there's a gray area somewhere in between and i the last person that i want to tell me about chris armis's coaching acumen is an irate disgruntled new york red bulls fan right which is <laughs> where everybody's going um so i'm in know, i'm in two minds about this Right. On the one hand, as you guys mentioned, there's a lot of reasons why it has been unfair to him to start. Let's let's go through them. The first, it's probably one of the biggest reasons. Like, I'm not even talking Florida. I'm not even talking COVID. The lack of designated players on this Toronto FC team that's been in the lineup is that his fault? Maybe. We don't know. We don't know what. So hold on. We don't know what mm-hmm. happened with Josie Altador. We don't know if that was more so a team thing or if that was an armist decision. By all accounts, it sounds like it was a team thing, even though Josie Altador was going at Chris Armist by by all reports. So there's that. Alejandro Pozuelo, who was healthy for every single game last season, he comes down with a couple of, of you know different leg injuries. And that's kind of you know, that's not really Alejandro Pozuelo. Now we can point the finger at Chris Armis's training sessions, or we can also say that that was, you know, a, a freak injury. Because or if it was you look a long time coming, because of all the football he's been playing over the last perhaps. But if you look at like the rest of TFC's injury report, those there's like three guys on that, maybe even less of guys who are ready to sort of come back, but are still listed on the injury report. Like the injuries have have diminished as by by number, but it's to whom the players are getting injured, mm-hmm. right? And also Jefferson Soteldo, who's played, what, three games in a Toronto FC uniform, your third designated player. And then we're not even talking about the, the Jonathan Osorios, the Iowa Canolas, the Chris Mavingas. Like, this team has had injuries to really key pieces. So that's the first point I want to make about why it's sort of, he's not really getting a fair shake because he doesn't really have the full arsenal to kind of work with and we know in major league soccer how important designated players are name me another team in mls that's winning games without any designated player cincinnati they have they have <laughs> a lot they spent a lot, right yeah um obviously this the second reason was covid at the baby tr- tr- training camp not just covid the fact that it interrupted a shortened training camp already mm-hmm. where players were coming in at different times COVID obviously, you know, interrupted that training camp. And as a result, it left them with a week to prepare for Champions League games in a different country, as well as the start of the MLS season. So there's no other Canadian team that had to deal with that. That's another reason why it's kind of like they cu- they're kind of playing catch up from the beginning because they didn't have a full training camp under their belt. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're playing away from home in front of no supporters. Every game for them is a road match. We know how hard it is in MLS to win games on the road. That's why every time TFC were to win a game on the road, you know, it would be celebrated like a, a glorious victory because it's that tough to actually win on the road. And for them, every game has become almost like, like an away match. So the, those are real factors that affect you know, the everyday kind of cycle. But that being said, Obviously, I wrote this yesterday. It's a mountain that Chris Armas and his staff have to overcome. Also, I also want to mention is he? This isn't his squad. This isn't his roster. This isn't a, a roster he's inheriting, right? And if you want to play a different style of play, or at least you know a, an altered style of play, if it's not completely different, it takes time to sort of integrate that into into the team, especially when you don't have the most ideal pieces perhaps you would want for your system. 
there's also arguments to be made there that a coach would have to adjust and adapt to that system. But at the same time, that was Armas's vision when he when he first came in, in to TFC. That's why he was hired by TFC is because they liked what he brought to the table. So we can talk about yeah, was that the correct decision or not? You know, we can definitely talk about that. But at the end of the day, like that's not. That that's tough for a coach, as Grace James Grassi said on the show. I'll bring this up again. It sometimes takes up to two years for a coach to really get their the real roster and get what they kind of are envisioning here. So on that stance, it's 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 tough. Like he's he's again climbing a really big mountain here to sort of overcome. But no one expected him to be at the bottom of the mountain still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one expected Toronto FC to be this bad. And that's where it gets really interesting and really gets really tricky because yes, he's been given an unfair, you know, an unfair hand to kind of work with, but he hasn't done himself any favors to oh. Support that, yeah. Go ahead. There's there's two things that that Chris Armas really pushed when he was coming in that would be you know the the things that everyone got excited about and the things that he talked about, which is this high tempo, high pressing say game. It. Just say it. Just say it. Just say and the young press. players, <laughs> right? Like those were the yep. two things that that everyone was really excited about. And for me, the thing is, the players who have played his system the best have been those young players that we just haven't seen for you know, three to four straight weeks now. And if you look back at all of the best, like all of the times Toronto C's picked results up five times this year against Leon, they've got Singh starting Prizzo, Schaffelberg and Okello. The, the other Leon game, they've got Okello, Schaff and Prizzo starting Vancouver draw, Okello, Singh, Nelson, the Columbus win, you know, Ralph Prizzo has gotten, has an amazing game in that. Um, none of them started against NYCFC, but Schaff came off the bench and, and gets a goal. Where are these guys and why aren't they playing? Where has Ralph Preso gone? Yeah, yeah. Can someone explain that to me? me. Yeah. The Um, last time he was on the pitch, he at least started a full game. He was absolutely praised by Chris Armis. Mm -hmm. High praise. And (laughs) and by Michael Bradley. Good. (laughs) And then since then he just dropped out of the out of contention for starting for this team. Mm-hmm. What am I missing there? What happened? And again, it's who's been replacing him. I mean, for most of the games, it was Auro replacing him, which made, you know, obviously we've been shaking our heads at that since the since the start of it. But it, yeah, it, it's absolutely baffling. Again, like, like I, I'm all for, like, I don't think young guys should just get given opportunities just because, you know, that we want to play young players. But one, you have to give them an opportunity to to make some mistakes and, and work through them. And two, if they're performing well, why are you taking them out of the lineup? It makes no sense. So yeah, the Ralph Prizo one is, is just pure confusion for me at this point. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect time to bring Chaz on and talk about CPL. Why don't we bring Chaz on and talk about TFC first and then segue to CPL? How don't we do that? All right. Sure. You bring Chaz. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. There he is. Hey guys. He's been waiting to get <laughs> What's his game. going on, man. <laughs> I just, no, want to say it, me. I just want to say it's very fitting that we have Charlie on for the 50th edition of Wake in the Red Weekly. Obviously, the former managing editor of Wake in the Red and doing some big things now with the Canadian Premier League. So, Charlie, thank you very much for joining us, man. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. This is the 50th episode. Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got a big for that one. Congratulations. Thank you, man. <laughs> thank you. We, we're trying to figure out what to do for, for, for lucky number 52. But uh, right now, we just want to bitch about TFC. So hopefully, hopefully that'll yeah. carry us through. Um, <laughs> hey, Chaz, Coverman's time? Is it Danny time? Is it? Are we like, in? Are we in the darkest timeline? Worst team in the world, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. situation. I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's that bad. There's certainly good players on this team, which maybe you couldn't have said in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm obviously not as not as tapped into. TFC yes, as I used to be, but it's uh it's a lot less fun to watch them at the moment. That's for sure. Charlie, you covered this team during, you know, not an ideal state in 2018. Mm-hmm. How is it like to cover a team that you know is super talented but is underperforming? What's that like? 
Oh, it's so much worse than if they're actually bad. <laughs> so much worse. Because if they're bad, then you can kind of, you work through it. it. It can be funny sometimes. And there's like little victories when, you know, as, as you humor. guys already mentioned. Yeah. Gallows humor. When like a young player does something great, there's little victories. But when you know that they should be doing so much better, it's certainly, certainly frustrating. Um I don't, I don't know. Does this season to... take you back to 2018 at all? Does it give you any sort of flashbacks of that? Mm, definitely in some ways. I feel like 2018 was a little bit more comical, actually, just because there were so many other things going wrong. They were just The whole team was injured every week. <laughs> I think every player in the entire lineup got a, got a shout at center back at least once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I played center back that season for a game. Yeah, I, uh, I remember showing up to the press box with my boots in my bag once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2018 was just pure shock for most of it. It's like, what? What? I mean, it was like what I imagine the experience of being an Atlanta fan is. Just like, what, what happened? <laughs> what? We were so good, and now we're so, so, so bad. Like, yeah. Um, in a way, it's kind, of, it's kind of familiar there because you have the Champions League run in 2018. Mm-hmm. Which you know derailed sort of the start of the season. I'm not sure if we can attribute that exactly to what happened this season, but sort of similar there. Number two, you have a lot of the off-field stuff that occurred in 2018, and obviously I'm referring to Josie Altador here. Mm-hmm. And number three, like this team, as as mentioned, it this team is super talented, had really high expectations, second in the Supporters Shield race with four. You know they were leading the the, the race with four games left to play last season. And, you know, they're absolutely just going out there and just, I don't even know how to describe it. But, yeah, what do you think there, Charlie? Is, is there any, any light at the end of the tunnel here? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there is. And I'm sure, I guess we're gonna, we, we'll have to wait and see how, you know, how much rosier the situation looks when, you know, you can go out and see them every weekend when they're, they're playing at home. And I'm sure that'll be a boost. But it's definitely tough just to look at them and, and not really know exactly how this ends, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of ways. Could totally turn it around at any second. You'd, you'd right. hope. We could but, still be uh, the Sounders, man. We could still be the Sounders. They're only eight points out. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. If, if they do, you know, get two of their DPs in regularly, they could totally do something score a goal impressive I mean, <laughs> score a goal yeah yeah i mean it's just really really tough to to gauge obviously it's really hard right now to to watch them and, and to get maybe excited to watch them at the moment but i think i i i really don't know i really don't know where it, you're not really alone man it. that's the consensus around tfc Chaz, that really you're is. running. You're running a league through Zoom calls and and quarantines, right? <laughs> we're we're but we're trying to report on a team in a club in crisis through Zoom calls and the occasional uh, uh, interview that goes sideways, right? How mm-hmm. much do you attribute our disconnect with the club to that? And and because you're saying something interesting, I mean, it this it feels like a fool me once to say well let's wait until they get back to bmo we've done a whole lot of waiting and a whole lot of not changing right there's a part the mm-hmm. angel on my shoulder is saying wait till they get back to bmo jeff wait until they get back to bmo the devil on my shoulder is saying when they get back to bmo and they get booed out of the stadium <laughs> by everybody in the in the south end it's probably not going to be better um so i just yeah. i just wonder like you know, it just it feels like I, I want to correct myself from being super ragey every time, but the excuses are getting like really few and far between. And I'm just I find myself super ragey. Well <laughs> well, super ragey Jeff is is maybe Jeff at his best. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely true that it's harder to to communicate, you know, over these these kind of zoom disconnects, right? Mm. Like when you you're covering a team, it you're not you're not necessarily building a rapport, especially it's a new coach coming in facing media that he's never met before. Uh, just trying to explain what he's doing. And I mean, obviously it's not going super well for him with the the way that, you know, his, his words are, are coming out and I'm sure that they're probably not coming out the way that he wants them to. And I'm sure he'd probably look back and be like, I wish I kind of said that differently because mm-hmm, I can kind of mm-hmm. see how that would be interpreted. Uh, well, weirdly. we're also being very unfair taking him literally at, at, at everything, right? Like, you know, he says two number one keepers, and I haven't heard people that, that are, you know, TFC fans 
uh, shut up about that, right? Like I haven't heard people shut up about Michael Bradley's 25 out of 10 comment, right? Oh, but he doubled down on the the two number one keepers recently. Is this TFC fans or is this you, Jeff? (laughs) <laughs> no, this is, this is people. This is people on WTR. People that are like, saying, you know, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, going back to that that two number one keepers, like he said mm-hmm. it more than once. Like that's he's not like, doing himself any favors. Yeah, you're supposed to be media trained. I mean, part of the reason, part of the job is obviously speaking to media, so that has to be taken into account. Now, I'm not he's saying not, he's, he's not Greg Vanny though. You can be no, yeah, that, all you that's want. unfair. Yeah, but, but that guy was that guy was was a was a was a you know he was a master of it. So, mm-hmm. damn, you know, horrible time for for Armas to step. I mean, it's it's not help. Like if if he's winning, he can go out there and say whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> when yeah, you're one seven and two, every word that you put out there, especially in like you said the Zoom era, it's going to be scrutinized. That's just the way it goes, right? Mm-hmm. I think you can definitely say that both things are true, that it's an yep. obviously terrible situation and, and like a lot worsened by all the circumstances, but also they have been playing well. It's, yeah. you know, you can question the coaching. Both things can be true at the same time, I think. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's a, here's a real question. We start winning. Does it all go away? I mean, do the Armis out people crawl back into arm into the Armis on train? I'm inclined to think yes. I mean, the pitchfork mob is the pitchfork mob for a reason, right? They're just, you get them mad and then point in a certain direction and off you go. So, you know, Gareth I think Southgate it is a, would say yes. <laughs> that is well, what's the saying? Winning heals everything? Yeah. Something yeah. like that, right? Mm-hmm. There were there were also segments of Vanny out that never really really ever died. They were always just yep. there oh, yeah. under the surface. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd imagine there's there's going to be some like even if things turn around, there'll be some Armis out crowd that continues to to be around. But Charlie, you did mention returning home for Toronto FC, and obviously we all want to see that. But there are actually games being played right now in Canada. And they are much more entertaining. What a segue! That was from Toronto recently. That was good. That was good, Mitch. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Um, That was god tier segue. Obviously, obviously, Canadian Premier League opening weekend this past weekend. What were the highlights for you? Because you know, I think we saw a great slate of of pretty pretty awesome games from from the early part of the season. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I spent a lot of the weekend kind of pinching myself, being like, I I kind of forgot what this was like to. you know, be able to do my job properly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there are plenty of highlights. I think the biggest thing about it was just kind of having a lot of these personalities around the league kind of reintroduced to the soccer community. Rob Gale, probably the biggest one. Hmm. Coach of Valor FC goes on, you know, every interview he does after winning against the defending champions. And he says, now you guys have to give us our respect. We don't care what people said about us. I don't know what people had said about them. But... (laughs) He's the Adrian Heath of the CPL, pretty much. <laughs> but no, it, it it was just so cool, like having these personalities back out there. I mean, Jose Escalante for Cavalry misses last year because of travel restrictions. He was stuck in Honduras. He comes right back into Cavalry, and he's immediately just mm-hmm. one of the most frustrating and simultaneously amazing players in the league to watch because he's just uh, under everybody's skin the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's a phenomenal player. He's cutting in from the wing. He's playing in crosses. I mean, he he did that hilarious, audacious move to to pick the pocket of, of York's center back and score Cavalry's second goal. It's just so much fun having these players that, you know, we talk about during the offseason and, and we haven't seen play in it for so long. They come in and they, they back it up with just being soccer players and not just mythical nebulous figures that exist on a website. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So who, 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 I think you've already done about a thousand articles in the off season, but who you got winning this league and why is it forge for the third time? I mean, I know that forge did just lose to Valor. Mm -hmm. And that was a good game, man. It was a great game. It was a great game. Jeff, you're a, your second team beating your first team. I I had a wonderful dream that Bustos was still on Valor and linking up with Ricci and, <laughs> so or, and they were devastating. And I, who's he on Pacific now? Like that's yeah. his what, yeah. fifth, fifth squad in the CPL moving around Bustos. Second, uh, second, you should come back to Valor. <laughs> uh, he's he's doing anyway. fine at Pacific. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, that was a great game. 
and and full credit to Valor, who look like they're going to be really good this year. And they're going to get even better because they've got a lot of internationals to come back into the squad. But Forge, yes, they lost. But I mean, I don't know if they'll ever play, you know, a more... I, I don't think they'll... I don't know if they'll ever... Excuse me. They'll never play a, a worse game in the league than that. Wow. Because there were so many, obviously, factors going into it. They had... Them and York had the worst preseasons of any team because Ontario, Ontario, Ontario haven't been able. They hadn't been able to see their squad in training until like a week ago when they got to Winnipeg, uh, and understandably sluggish. And it was kind of funny just seeing at before the game when Forge's lineup came out, and we were all over them. We were everybody saying this is maybe the best lineup that's ever been. Ever been in the, put to paper in the in a history CPO. of soccer football? Yes, yes. Just this is this is you know, twenty ten Spain level <laughs> kind of football. And yeah. then they come in and and Valor plays them off the pitch for ninety minutes straight. Yeah, which was really cool to see, especially if you're a Valor fan. Yeah, but they're never they're never gonna. That's not going to be a consistent thing from Forge. I think there's plenty of time to grow into it. It's a long season. Thankfully, mm-hmm. for once, yeah. Thankfully, thank God. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. You hedged your bets, though. You you initially tweeted out Forge's lineup and said they're amazing, and then you tweeted out, "Yeah, but Valor also came to play, and they're probably going to win this one." So, yeah, <laughs> well, Valor, you, you Valor lined up proud. with like with like five strikers, and mm. four of them were in midfield, and it just totally worked. They they were yeah. you know, just beating Forge to pretty much every ball, and obviously Austin Ricci was. You know, one of the players of the weekend in the CPL after how much Crutzen, which was craziness, absolute yeah. craziness. Yeah. How much yeah. Did playing at home have to do with that? Anything? I'm not sure because you know we asked Rob Gale a few times about this, and he would say absolutely not every time. <laughs> he just was not having it. You, you could hear the fans though. You could hear you Red could. River Rising. You yeah. Could. And you know the way that I've heard it, it sounds like the fans were there to greet them to get on the bus to go to the stadium. And they were Love kind it. of driving alongside them with, with flags at their windows. And well, I that's think that's not creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does, that does, you know, as a player, you notice that, right? And certainly after the game, everybody was talking about how that had been a part of it. Obviously it's not, you know, a 30,000 person stadium screaming for you, but it's a little bit. It's a little bit more than if you're in PEI and you're so mm-hmm. far away from home, and just you, you don't even have a sense when you're actually on the field that there's anybody watching you, right? Right. And you're in Winnipeg, and obviously you're not living at home. You're not in your beds. You're not with your families. You're still in this bubble, which in in some cases might be worse because you know you're in your home city, but you still can't go there. Mm-hmm. But then there is just this kind of sense of of being still in your city and defending your stadium. I think somebody also made the point that they know that turf better than any other team. Yeah. Because they'll have been training on it a little bit longer and they played a full season on it, which is a, an actual tangible advantage. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I think there's more that more of one than, than Rob Gale would, would tell you. <laughs> it's, it's still not huge. Right, Charlie, I, I also, I ahead, also think as someone who's been to Winnipeg in the summertime and was blown away by how hot it was, I think mm. the two Ontario teams are probably like, bugs. damn. <laughs> also, the ticks. The I'm sure, I'm sure the ticks aren't at IG Field. I would hate that. Yeah, um, no, ticks are no fun. Charlie, I got two questions for you. I'll go with the first one first. Right. Is MVP? Who do you got it as? You know, preseason favorite, I guess, for winning the MVP this season. Yeah, my MVP favorite hasn't changed since like midway through last season. It's got to be Marco Bustos, I think. Is is just the betting favorite. I don't want to say it's his award to lose because he's played one game. Uh, but just throughout the whole, all of the months between like last September and now, he's been kind of just on, on a mission. Like we've talked to him several times and he's said repeatedly, that's what I want. I want to be the best player in this league. Nice. And we know that he's capable of it. He certainly looked like he could be on Saturday against against Halifax. And I think Ooh, you it's said hard Halifax. To, <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard to to pick against anybody else or to pick against Bustos right now. Mm, Obviously, it's a long season and tons of other guys. I'm sure there's guys that are new to the league that will come in and and make an impact like that. Uh, but I I have a feeling that it's not going to be a Forge player this year, even if Forge goes ahead and wins the championship. 
Hmm. Interesting. Marco Bustos. Yeah. <laughs> Marco Bustos obviously had some time with the Canadians met his national team and I thought he looked very good there as well. So mm-hmm. he's a he's a talent that could definitely continue to flourish there. My second question is, you know, Charlie, you have a platform right now. You're speaking to a lot of Toronto FC fans. A lot of people who watch this show are TFC fans. What's your sell to everybody to watch the Canadian Premier League? Why should people care about the Canadian Premier League and why should they tune in this season? Well, there's just so many, so many more storylines. I mean, Canada's a lot bigger than Toronto, and there's a lot of communities. No, I think. Uh, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I, wait, wait, I don't there's, really. There's cities I outside really, of Toronto. What are you talking about? I haven't been to one in well over a year, so I can't confirm <laughs> that anymore. But yeah, it's just. I think that my favorite part about the CPL is just seeing all of these communities: Winnipeg, Halifax, Vancouver Island, just. It's it's there's just a lot going on kind of on the ground there that we maybe don't see on Twitter all the time and it sometimes doesn't translate. But then we see these teams playing and these players will talk about how important it is to them to be representing these these cities that I mean I haven't been to most of them, but there's there's just this real connection that it feels me, like guys. very authentic local football and especially if we start seeing these teams playing at home this year. Once this uh this bubble in Winnipeg is done, Jeff is uh hopefully all right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's maybe my favorite thing about this league is is just it, it's got some very authentic qualities of these clubs being part of part of their their homes. That was fun, <laughs> right, Jeff? Well, yeah, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nothing. Uh, my my wife's not here to answer the door, so I'm uh, take a hint. Uh, but uh, all, all's well. All's well. <laughs> all right. Um, I missed what Chaz was saying entirely. I hope it was good. It was. It was great. I have go to games. Go to games. Nice. Well, you don't have to worry about me when you can't worry about me. I have another reason why the Canadian Premier League is great, which of course is all the young players that uh, that this really provides a platform for. Them. And I think we saw that in, in a big way with Olympic qualifying. You know, obviously it wasn't successful for for Canada, but this was a group that looked as professionals we've seen in a long time from start to, you know, start of the roster to the bottom of the roster, which I think in a big way attributes to the fact that they're all playing professional soccer and the Canadian Premier League is a big reason for that. Um, obviously you're going to get this question every time I'm on who are the guys <laughs> that uh, some of the young guys that we should be watching for, whether they'll be in the national team pool soon or, or in the next couple of years, who are some of those, uh, those kind of exciting young players that, that fans should be excited about. Yeah, I, I held off on on the young guys in my last answer just to not take the wind out of Mitch's question. <laughs> but there's there's so many names. I mean, there's kind of a spectrum from players who have started to get these tastes with the national team. You know, Amir Didich, Canada can always use center backs, right? Marco Carducci is is somewhere in the depth chart there. Uh, I think Thomas Mayer Jaguer, who probably would have been a big part of that Olympic team if he hadn't been injured like the day before that opening game against El Salvador. Uh, and there's probably some other younger players that, that maybe we don't hear about as much that could be coming through. One name that, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I'll throw at you is Valor has got Sean Rea on loan from CF Montreal. Good he player. Was with Canada at the, at the U 17 world cup. I think two years ago, he looked really great for them uh, nice. against forge. And I I've heard that he's, been arguably one of Valor's best players in training and I think he's like 19 years old so maybe if there's if there's a, a name that we haven't seen before in a CPL or maybe if, if you're not Mitch you might not have heard <laughs> um, that's one uh, but there, there's so many others you know like Noah Verhoeven at at York mm. is starting to play this more attacking role he was kind of a number 10 or a second striker against Cavalry that could be really interesting for him I there's there's so many guys and I'm obviously like biased when I say that I want these players to be considered. Yeah. But I really think that there are a lot of guys that just add so much depth to Canada's player pool and just create a little bit more competition when you you do have these camps like the January ones where you bring in a load of these fringe guys and and let them just play and and earn opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh yeah, I mean uh what is it? The first the fans are allowed back uh, July the 7th at, yeah, uh, at IG Field. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's wow. pretty amazing. We were all looking at flights, but uh, you need to be uh, you need to be double vaxxed by in, in, this, in the province of Manitoba. You need that that Manitoba uh, seal of approval, which obviously we don't have. But yeah, you can check out how much flights are and, and how long the road trip might be. Just, just saying, just saying. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I think the I think the Sean Ray pick is is a great one because that's a player I'm I'm super excited about right when he got loaned there and he's been great mm -hmm. for Canada's youth national team. So that's a guy that uh, I think Canadian Premier League fans should be watching this season. But Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. This has been been awesome. Anytime, guys. It's always always a pleasure to to chat with all of you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Charlie. We didn't even ask him one KJ question. That will have to be for later. <laughs> <laughs> I also haven't even got to say the word Jack Grealish yet. So oh, no, right, right. Do it. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can play in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Best shortwear on yeah. the planet. Oh yeah, he's got the coolest shin pads in the world. Yeah, pretty much. His hair matches everything too, eh? It Not the best driver of luxury vehicles I've ever <laughs> seen, but, no, sir. but definitely <laughs> <laughs> maybe the worst driver of luxury vehicles of any footballer on the planet. Keep him yeah. away from your expensive cars, but but you know, other than that, a okay. What a pleasure, Chaz. Uh, uh, who who you got? Who you got for the game coming up? Ukraine Sweden and Sweden. Ukraine. Yeah. Oh, I hope it's Ukraine. I don't want to watch Sweden anymore. <laughs> really yeah i i want to see sweden's away kits I, I can't remember seeing them the pinstripe guys they're beautiful that is the most jeff that is a very jeff answer. they play time. horrible football man <laughs> like, conveniently i'm jeff so i should be giving out jeff answers but but yeah. imagine that imagine that that's yeah, true. yeah. That's true. it depends on what kit they brought they walk out if they come out in the standard yellow sweden kit then forget about it. it's all you can <laughs> i don't want to see any more I don't want any more of those ugly, trashy Puma away kits winning any more knockout <laughs> games. This is important, guys. A message has to be made to the people, the Puma people, that this won't fly. The international clothiers' uh, kits will not fly. And I'm sure they're way, watching, Jeff. I'm Mitchell. Yeah. And I'm saying we should move on here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let Chaz indeed, go. indeed. Cheers, Chaz. I have the power Cheers, to remove you. I'm Thanks, doing guys. that now. All right. No, always great to, to have Charlie on, and as we said, awesome stuff. Yeah, awesome to have the Canadian Premier League back to, you know, have some so awesome to actually watch while Toronto FC is struggling. But TFC mm -hmm. do have another game coming up this week, of course, on Saturday against DC United. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this point a little bit, and, and obviously it doesn't help when they've won just once this season. But these are the important games, right? Like DC United's in eighth right now. And, and I know it's early in the season, and, like, usually you don't have to worry about that kind of thing this early in the season. But, like, Right now, every time they play a team that's on that playoff bubble, like they almost have to win it. So it's a big game. Mitch, yeah, we've lost two nil to Cincinnati. Every game, every is team game, yeah. is a big game. We are officially the underdogs of underdogs at this point. Like uh, you know, uh, Justin Morrow. Justin Morrow said this after the loss. Um, is that? The good news, I guess, trying to spin it in a positive way, but the good news is that TFC will be playing a lot of Eastern Conference teams the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the schedule is sort of made up. So there is still a chance that TFC, again, they're eight points out. They put together a couple of wins. They're back in the playoff picture. But as, as Mitch is saying, like Cincinnati, Nashville, now DC United, these are the games that TFC have to win. Should be, should be running roughshod over these teams. Right. I mean, uh, you know, D, I mean, we should be running roughshod over Atlanta. Atlanta's a mess right now, too. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, DC DC looks to be, if we had faced DC a couple weeks ago, I'd be more confident. I mean, if, at this point, I'm totally not confident. <laughs> but, if we had, but, but, like, it looks like, you know, their new coach is starting to click and, and their system's starting to work. I mean, they were they were screaming tire fire at, at the beginning of the season uh, when we were beating Leon, and now it, it looks like it looks like things are starting to come together for them. Uh, on paper, they're a terrible squad. On paper, they're an island of misfit toys. But on paper, we're world beaters. So if you're asking me to predict, you know, there's a reason I'm number one in the WTR prediction league. <laughs> predicting TFC to lose nice, for the last four four games, uh, and it, and that doesn't fill me with any joy either. Um, I've dropped out of contention there, guys. I, I don't know oh, what you, I yeah. don't know what to predict with this team anymore. I'm I'm seeing nope. Cincinnati and I'm like, okay, 
that should be an absolute win, no questions asked, and then they go out and do that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you predict this? You just can, I guess you're right, Jeff. Just go ahead and start predicting losses until they, I but guess, turn you know, this that, around. Do you know how much that hurts my soul? Like, I'm pretty sure like five angels lost their wings because of me <laughs> voting against TFC in the prediction league. That's a horrible. That's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders that I don't. I don't really want need the burden of that. Um, that's a good hold up. That's a good yeah. kind of segue question I want to get to. And mm. Michael Bradley called for this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. It's the unity of the fans. Fans have to get behind them. They need them more than ever right now. If you're a fan, do you think you should be supporting this team through the thick and the thin? Or do you think it's okay to say, no, this is not good enough. We expect better. I will not be supporting you until you improve. Where are you but at Mike, in that? But, but I don't think Michael Bradley's talking about those people because that's perfectly reasonable, right? Like, you know, I I support I love this club, right? It gives me no pleasure to to be negative in any way, shape, and form. Not doing it in this position is insanity, right? So I, you know, Michael Michael Bradley or anybody at the club asking me to just sit on my hands and and hope against hope. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. And and it doesn't work that way. You don't get to tell me what to do. Um, uh, you know, support and misery, support and glory, that's fine. We're all there. I think he's talking to the the knee jerk people and you're never going to appease those people. Right. It's just not happening. I mean, because then you've got to sit them down and explain why we can't have Antonio Conte, why he's never getting on a plane to coach TFC ever in our lifetimes. Right. And, and they don't want to listen to that. They're like, what, what, what's gam? Well, if you don't want to listen to what gam and Tam is, then, you know, we've we've already lost. There's no beating those people. Right. Unless we're winning, they're not happy. So why bother? Right. It's a simple calculus to me. But for him to come out and say to the actual fans, you know, your criticism is unfounded. You know, excuse me. Have you been paying attention? Our our criticism is absolutely. Did he say that, though? I don't think he he said that. Okay, then how do you read it? Because once again, once again, we're, we're, we're arguing semantics. Because of what limited information, we've of produced, course. Right? Well, I'm, so, I mean, more. It's more so just. It's a call for unity. It's it's more so like, no matter like what, like we're struggling right now. We're in a, a different country. You know, we're we're not playing in front of our fans. We okay. need your support right now. Going through these hard times more than ever because, you know, we believe in this club and there is a light at the end of this tunnel. How do you? Want, how do it? I? How is I? How do I as a fan not be personally insulted? by that you know sorry you're not cheering us well enough well you're not playing well enough i, I mean, don't think he's not saying you're not cheering us well enough he's, he's saying yes i expect to get criticism but can you please give us a little bit of leeway here what do you what so do you think asking of that? me well then list what then list then michael come out and give me an itemized list of what's acceptable criticism and what's <laughs> no seriously because if i don't i i don't know what you mean by that other than calling out people for for saying anything derogatory which is totally in our purview you know what i mean like either you're well, either you're trying to appease the pitchfork saying in the chat you can both support mm-hmm. the team and criticize it at the same time yeah they're not they're not mutually exclusive both things can be true at the same time i think the comment what, under that is is great too the worst thing is apathy if we're angry it's because we care which i think is exactly which is also if, fair yeah, and Tej wrote an entire article about it that you should read if you uh, if you go on our site. But you see, I don't like the the vagueness there. Like, you know, if, if my if, if your mom or dad is going to yell at you for being bad, they can't say stop being generally bad. You have to say what you've been bad doing, right? Otherwise, there's no. Otherwise, so, you're just saying. Stop I don't think he's calling out fans for being bad, right? Okay. I think he's just calling for unity. But we are being unified, whether that's unified or hating them or not. <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I'm sure we're all pretty unified. I, so I don't understand it. Like, if, if you're calling out the pitchfork mob, you're never going to win with them. Right? If you're right. calling out the, the knee-jerk armist people, don't bother. And, right. I, and I think Bradley's smart enough not to do that. So who is he targeting? So He's let's targeting- say supporters groups, hypothetically. So they can't right? say armist out even while he's lighting the club on fire? I don't, th- I don't abide by that. You know what I mean? Like he can't he can't say what's going we can't say what's going on with Josie because the decision's been made in some vague front office 
boardroom then we know nothing about it i'm it works both ways it's a revolving yeah. door yeah, yeah. there's definitely no fun. right answer here there's definitely yeah. no right answer at all i just wanted to get your guys thoughts on that because well, well they're, they're obviously that, going okay. through some like crazy circumstances and they're playing you know in a different country where like i'm sure they'd rather be playing at home in front of their supporters absolutely so like do you absolutely. have to give them some sympathy there i think we've given them a lot of sympathy there and i think that 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 margins eclipse i'm also gonna i'm also gonna move a couple steps backward here i'm mm -hmm. getting i love michael bradley i love him as a mouthpiece for the club but we are four times pat we are four times too many already on trucking him out as the damage control spin doctor right he's their go-to guy and yeah. and and we're getting to the point of ridiculousness now with where, where these articles are just this unfocused unfeathered stop doing that well, you know, stop doing that as well. Start winning and maybe we'll stop doing that. Right? Like, it is a chicken and egg kind of situation. Here. I, I mean, you know, I, I said, I can't remember who I said this to, but there's something I hate about film festivals. And that is, you know, they give the filmmaker the opportunity to get up in front of that audience before they, before they, they, they show their film and basically do a mea culpa, right? Like, Hey guys, listen, I, I didn't have $120 million. I really wanted to do a battle where you saw orcs invade that castle but instead it's my cat wearing a wearing you know an orc suit and and my bad photoshop skills you don't get to do that you don't get to preface you get you turn the film on and they like it or they don't it's that simple and that and that's the covenant you take with your audience so any attempts to sidestep that and sort of influence people's viewing of a of a subjective situation i think is is a foul and that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to get ahead of criticism by saying, well, you wouldn't be mad. You, you don't want to make Michael Bradley cry, do you? That's not fair. Like, it's just, it's not fair. So good luck making Michael Bradley cry as well. But that's essentially what it is, right? Like, yeah. that's essentially what that article is. Like, yeah. are you a good fan? Do you want to make Michael Bradley cry? Good fans don't make Michael Bradley cry. Be a good fan. I just, that logic, and it's, it's, it's false to me. It, it's spin. It's damage control. And, 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 you know, look, there are people that are say, that are honestly saying, you know, why don't the reporters get up in front of Armas and basically ask a question like, why are you guys sucking so bad? Like, what's he going to answer to that? Like, you know, Chris, you suck. What, please explain to us why you won't suck anymore. And, you know, a journalist doesn't get that privilege either. Like there, there's decorum for a reason. Once again, it circles back to how, we have so little to work off of and we're just spinning our wheels here. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't want, I, and I keep coming back to this. Armis isn't Vanny. We were used to Vanny. Vanny gaslit us like no tomorrow. And we said, yes, please, sir. Can I have some more? Maybe that's not so good, but it's almost like the pendulum has just shifted to a guy who's extremely combative um, in adversarial in a way that Vanny never was. And, it's not fair to hold him to task for that, but it is whiplash, right? Like we are in a state of, of, of like the, the pendulum just shifts so, so far that we don't know what we're doing anymore. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough when you're one, seven and two, like every, every, every question is going to seem like it's an attack. It's a question. No yeah. Right. It's, it's tough. Right. Um, but let's, let's move on a little bit quickly. Sure. Um, I think we can get into a little bit of a, a TFC injury report. The Michael wow. Singh injury report. Hold on, I haven't brought it up. Wow, in a long it's it's been a minute. Time. Where is it? There it is. All right. It's the Michael Singh injury report. Sweet. Okay, so couple couple things here, and I'll give credit to Steve Buffery for this one. It's not really the Michael Singh injury report. It'll be the Steve Buffery injury report to start mm -hmm. off. Um, Alejandro Pozuelo. It doesn't look like he will be available on on Saturday, so we don't know the extent of that injury as yet. Doesn't look However, like he'll be available on Saturday then to watch the. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> However, yeah, I, I don't know if Paz will be there. <laughs> Good news is Steve Buffy also reporting that Jefferson Soteldo, whose team was eliminated um, on Sunday at the Copa America. Venezuela obviously eliminated. Mm -hmm. um, he will be back and he will be eligible to play in Saturday's contest versus DC. So it looks like, you know, they will get at least one of their designated players back, which is. Oh, joy of joys. Something at least. <laughs> and, and I'm excited to see it. Like, at least they'll tell them to play because um, 
he did show flashes of, of what people are talking about, what people are hyping him up about. And, you know, I want to see him get a good run of play under his belt. But he won't because pause isn't there to give him any service. So it will be the same thing as it was before, right? Also, I forgot, Ozil, I, forgot about, yeah. I forgot about the third uh, 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 tinfoil hat theory, which is is that pause is now uh, uh, pretending to be injured. So that he doesn't yeah. have to play the game. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, um, there, guys. I mean, this is this is what so happens. So moving on, there injury report. Get a Costco. Uh, <laughs> you have to get a Costco pack of uh, tinfoil by the end of this. So. <laughs> um, yep. Third is Achara. So Chris Armis told me, I think a week and a half ago, that Achara was about a week, two weeks away from returning to full team training. We saw yesterday in a picture that TFC tweeted out that Achara is actually back in training. So, you know, TFC still have to sort of make room on their roster for him to return into the squad. But the positive news is Achara is looking very close to returning. And, you know, again, the flashes that we saw of him, that one jaw-dropping night at BMO Field, which feels like forever ago, the last time TFC played in front of home fans. Hmm. Um that was that was that. So Achara is is inching closer. Um, Will Dunn in the chat. I see you asking about uh, Erickson Gallardo. No, it wasn't Will? Oh, I thought you said Will Dunn asked about Dunn and Thundercat asked about Dunn, but that would have been an easy mistake to make. Uh, and uh, Gallardo, who's asking about Gallardo? So, <laughs> as you know, Erickson Gallardo is apparently healthy to return um, for this team. However, TFC are kind of hand tied right right now because they don't have any roster room available to activate him essentially um they have a lot of depth now that most players are back so it's interesting to to keep an eye on the likes of like a julian dunn the rocco romeos um players like that who are kind of on the fringe with this tfc team could they be loaned out i know oliver platt reported i think last week that dunn or romeo are both on the radar for the canadian premier league so can they can they can like will the will, is that even an option? Why would they? I don't know. I'm asking. I'm just asking because of the, yeah. the weirdness yeah. going on with yeah yeah. Like, I, I don't see, I don't okay. see any reason okay. why not. Um, also, oh, they the have TFC too. Yeah, the quarantine. Just, but they well, not just the quarantine, but they're like in their bubble thing now, right? Like I just so the rules are changing for Canadian government, right? As of okay. July fourth. That you don't, if you're double vaccinated, you no longer have to quarantine if you're Canadian resident or PR uh, of Canada. Right. So, okay. Rocco Romeo and Julia Dunn obviously are both Canadian guys. I'm um, mm-hmm. not sure their status on their vaccinations, but if they're both double vaccinated, the quarantine thing shouldn't be an issue. Cool. Um, cool. So, That's yeah, to, to answer, answer the question, yeah, they should both be eligible to kind of be loaned to the Canadian Premier League. But those are some of the guys you got to lo- look out for to potentially be loanees. Um, mm. And I think that's that's pretty much it for the, the injury report right there. Like Julian Dodd, Romeo are both back in training with TFC. Um, again, I think they still fall under that Gallardo kind of yeah, yeah. mindset we're, where we're, like we'd have to you move need, somebody exactly. to activate someone. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, these are not guys who, who move the needle for this club. Right? It's it's not it's, they're not a Pozuelo, they're not an Azorio, they're not an Iowa Canola, these are not those guys. So um, but just just something to note. As as this team kind of kind of you know forms its roster. Yeah. <laughs> My God, what a mess! <laughs> yeah, I Jeez. think that's a, I think that's a good uh, place to to end it right there. Is, is uh, uh, you don't want to talk about the uh, the the Canadian uh, women's national team and the Olympic roster, or you want to save that for next week? We we could we can. Uh, well, the Olympics are coming up. That's at least something that we have to look forward to. Same with the Gold mm-hmm. Cup and, and a couple of other things as well. So July twenty fourth. Yes, thank you. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add on that. So, so I think we'll. Uh, we talked about it like two weeks ago. Yeah, um, we, we did. We'll we did. closer to the Olympics as well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that'll probably yeah. be best. Yeah, definitely Absolutely. can expect some some Olympic coverage from us, some Gold Cup coverage as well, uh, especially if you know, like we said, TFC keeps not being the most entertaining thing to talk about. Um, but who knows? They oh, I know why we want to wrap it up. Around. I just I, I just saw the the, the TV. <laughs> They're about to kick off. Cool. Yeah, let's well, do what that. What jerseys let's are go. they wearing? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, thanks as always. Oh, I'm, all, I'm Ukraine. I'm Ukraine today, looks like. All right. 
Mm-hmm. Thanks to Kevin, Sophia, and Edwin. <laughs> uh, as always, for what the, do, they do behind the scenes. Thank you all for listening. Um, as always, you know, we hope you give you some joy during these uh, difficult stretches for TFC and, uh, and at least make your weeks a little bit more enjoyable. On behalf of Michael Singh, Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Till next Tuesday. Oh, man, i got to get the end video up. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. Uh, okay. Bye, everyone. Cheers.